0: Final hour of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show ESPN Seth Walter. He leads up their analytics department. And uh, Seth, interesting uh, interesting couple days for you. You literally wrote an article four days ago for ESPN.com titled uh, something along the lines of How 4th Downs Decisions Actually Work. Um, and lo and behold, here we are. Dan Campbell in the spotlight, not shockingly uh, considering the coaches we're talking about here for his decision making uh, against the Lions. So, uh, congrats on your prescience. I guess is where I would start. Thank you. Well, you know, it's just—I mean, odds are there's going to be a fourth down conversation,
1: and it does when big games are played, and it certainly—it certainly happened. Uh, It's—it's not new, but it's going to keep going.
0: Yeah, no, that's for sure. Okay, so let's just get right into it most direct way i can ask it what did you make of dan campbell's decisions to go for it on those two fourth downs in the second half yesterday and why
1: i think that in both cases they were effectively toss-ups so when you look at our numbers they show a super close decision Uh, in both cases we narrowly narrowly preferred going for it so i'm talking 0.3 percent. Uh, to go for it and 0.2% to go for the first one. So really close calls and, and close calls too, if you look at another way we like to look at it, it would be the difference between the break-even percentage, the percentage required uh, to to convert in order for you to justify going for it and what we expect them to have. They were super close, so right on the, on the edge. And to me, that means either option is acceptable and there has to be that situation. I think we criticize coaches a lot of times for punting, typically when we say they ought to go for it. Had Dan Campbell kicked in these spots, that would not have been a situation where I would have criticized because it, because it was so close, but the same has to be true, the other direction. Uh, And I do think that ultimately we shade that way. And I will say this, I think that the, People often say, well, does the model take into account this? Does the model take into account that? And there are certainly factors that are outside the purview of the model. And that's why that's why I say when it's close, okay, well, maybe there's something that the coach can justify one way or another. To me, the biggest thing that we're missing here is, is kicker-specific stuff, and that should right. have really led the Lions in an outdoor game with a below-average kicker. That should have only led them more towards going for it
0: that's exactly what I was going to ask. So can, and you I'm going to ask this specifically and, and uh, you can answer as generally as you want in answering the specific question, but like how much of personnel does a model like yours factor in? And I guess like the one B to that, that's actually kind of the more important question is like, how different are the numbers that Dan Campbell is looking at and that his analytics people are looking at that might fact, because like, they, they analytics people that work in the NFL don't go to ESPN.com's analytics site and be like, oh, this is what that... No, they do the math themselves and they might have slightly different formulas. So how different are the formulas that Campbell is considering versus, say, what you're looking at?
1: So, okay, a couple of good questions in there. How different... I don't know. Uh, I, have, I have no. There's no way for me to know what exactly what the Lions are looking at. I will say the Lions, Dan Campbell, they tend to be one of the most optimal organizations when it comes to game management. They hug very close to what we we would say are the correct decisions most of the time. Uh, he's in the conversation, I would say, for best game management coach that in that in that way or best fourth down coach. Uh, are there factors like that that could be considered that would be outside the purview of the model yeah yeah and and could it be even game plans or sorry game specific right could you have a situation where you say uh, we're going against this opponent um, they have a really weak run interior so maybe that's gonna push us a little more one way or uh, but their their corners are I think kind of have the advantage over us so if it's fourth and long maybe we nudge the other way those are reasonable factors. But if you are factoring those in, and I think this is important, that has to work in both directions. A lot of times we hear coaches give this explanation of saying, well, you know, the analytics guys, the analytics folks said, you know, we should go for it, but they don't usually throw them out of the bus, but they might say, well, you know, given given X or given Y, I decided to punt or kick. What you never hear, and I think what you have to hear is, well, the folks upstairs they said numbers wise we had to punt, but I just felt like we were running all over them. So I said we're just going to go for it. We're going to we're going to we're going to run the ball here, and and you have to be willing to have that error in both directions. There's also limits to those errors, so that's why a lot of times it's like we'll say okay, the break even conversion probability is like. Thirty-eight percent, say right, and we estimate that your chance to just real quick, to... Seth,
0: for the audience, can you can you kind of give us a two-line definition of that break-even? Uh, percentage? Right. So,
1: what when I say break-even, what I mean is uh, the the chance of conversion in order to justify going for it. So, let's say you're facing a situation; it's fourth down. We could say you need at least a thirty-eight percent chance to justify going for it. Okay. Now, we ESPN might estimate. That you have a fifty percent chance of converting. There's no world where you can justify. I don't think that twelve percent gap. Like you can't. You if it's if it's really close, you could. Say it could be one of those things. Our oh, our our tackle is out. Oh, their corner is playing really well. But if it's a big gap, I just don't see how you how you can justify going for it. And and but but again, coming back to Detroit. These were small gaps. I think either option really was justifiable. And I think that the criticism of, so because there's been so much criticism of Dan Campbell, I think that's been misplaced.
0: Um, Obviously, like in some ways, these models factor in everything because you're taking in all of the data from all of the games and you're not like, you're kind of relying mm-hmm. on on the mass of data to ultimately even out some of these intricacies of individual situations. Um and I think that's, like, another interesting factor here, right? Like, your model has incorporated results from bad weather games, from indoor games, from, you know, tackles being out, tackles being there. Like, your model ultimately does all of that. Um, I know one thing that we've talked about in the past is, like, kind of that game feel stuff, the the strategy, the momentum. Um, and, and is there, like, how, how does the model account for, let's say, the first decision that Campbell makes? You know, there it's fourth and short, uh, relatively short. I think it's fourth and three on the 28-yard line. And they have a chance to go up three scores. Like I know that there is stuff in the model in terms of like win percentage or in the models, I should say, in terms of win percentage that, that ultimately help inform that decision. So I guess what I'm really asking is like, what, what kind of data is Campbell considering as he considers going for it versus not in a situation where a lot of the traditional analysis revolves around go up three scores at this point in the game.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So that's the fourth and two from the, from the 28, they're up 14. Yeah. Fourth and two. Yeah. Yeah in the third quarter uh you're right yeah you can look at it sort of simply and say hey we can go up three scores here and there's value in that but that is baked into the model so the model is looking at the situation that's saying uh okay what's the what's the probability we convert if we go for it what's the win probability if we convert the win probability if we fail and then again What's the probability win probability if we convert the kick or and win probability that we miss the kick weighted by the probability of making the kick i do think it's really important to say you cannot guarantee there was no guarantee you were making that field goal right it right. Was a, it, right it's a 46 yard field goal uh, outdoors so uh, probably you make it probably but you also might not um it's all baked in. When we come down, when we, when we say 90.5% chance to win, if you go for it, 90.3% chance, if you kick, that is all baked in the, the, the positive and negative outcomes. When it comes to momentum and your question, right? the sort of game feel. What I would say about momentum is I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying no one has ever shown any evidence that it does. Like people have tried to show I'm open to seeing evidence, but I, I am, I haven't seen any yet. So if, I, if someone's out there and they want to prove it statistically, then let's see it. But to your point, when we past games had momentum too, if that existed. And so right. in some ways you could say that's, you can, in some ways you could say that's, that's baked in. Um, but again, I, I, show show me show me it's real without just like hand waving that the belief that it is real
0: no i hear you seth uh seth Walder is our guest uh from espn he heads their analytics department and this is like this is where i struggle and i think a lot of people that play like i believe in analytics i believe in numbers i believe in data um in a major major way i thoroughly enjoy our conversations and having you on and, and reading your work and like if I was a head coach, I would rely so heavily on data. But like if you like the reason we all love sports uh, is because of like the emotion and and I think there's a huge psychology element as well. and and i'm I'd be curious if anybody could study like kind of that intersection of like because c- my best um my best retort, my best attempt at playing like devil's advocate to the momentum thing would be like there is a lot of psychological study about, you know, something that would re- kind of be a cousin of momentum in terms of, like fear and anxiety and what's happening within the brain and the body on those lines and how a group can move towards one and why, like, that's why you get like, Oh, leadership is so important because you can change that momentum and you can dispel those fears. The problem I guess is when you bump into analytics is none of that is quantifiable. Um, None of that is in any way measurable, even if all of us as human beings have experienced it as part of the human experience in or outside of sports.
1: I think it, it should be quantifiable if it's real though. So like when, with momentum, right? People say, okay, what causes momentum? Like, a, say, like a, a big turnover, right? Uh, or, right, I think people say, oh, that's a momentum. So, swinger. like,
0: for instance, right, in the in the game yesterday, you have the IU catch off the helmet. Like, it mm. felt exactly. like the game swung on that moment. Your model's not going to go win percentage, Niners way up at that moment, because there's no score change, anything like that. But I think those, everyone watching it is like, "Wow, that's such a that's such a moment," you know. Oh, dis- wait, hang on, though. Disagree. The win the win probability moved
1: dramatically because they completed like a fifty yard pass, and sure, so fair. yeah, yeah. I think typically what happens is people are saying momentum when they mean is the last play just changed the win probability significantly, and so like if momentum's real, right, then after a turnover, we should expect that teams win more than their win probability suggests, right? Mm. Like or they should score on the next ensuing drive more than they more than they otherwise would. But we don't see that. And so if if there's a, if there's a psychological component, then it should bear out that if we can predict it, right? Can we say in the moment before it happens it's gonna happen. So I think people just tend to mistake momentum, which should be essentially like future win, win probability. It's almost like a, a derivative of win probability saying like you're it should be higher than expected going forward with what actually just saying, oh, win probability just changed significantly.
0: Right. So there's a huge play. Maybe that was due to a tactical shift. That's the thing that actually changed the game, not some nebulous momentum. Like the, the win percentage changed and because of a big play, because Kyle Shanahan figured out what Aaron Glenn was doing on defense.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think. Say that again. You're saying the the win probability. So, like,
0: like, when we talk about like the idea of momentum versus uh, some like big play, like one, the big play, the 51 yard gain changes the win probability because yeah. it's a 51 yard play that sets them up in scoring position. But also sometimes like what is confused as, or what you're saying is what is confused as momentum. Might actually just be an upward trajectory in the win probability for one team based off of, say, an adjustment a coach made, where now each play, they're having more success than they had before. But ultimately, over time, it's not going to outperform the the model, if you will, because it's not some psychological momentum thing. it's it's actual an actual difference on the field in the plays that are made.
1: I see what you're saying. I don't know. I, mean, I know what what I was trying to say is more just that, What changed was Ayuk caught a deep ball. And so that moves the win probability. And that's that's it. The Lions had a 73% chance to win after the Ayuk pass, right? Which was a big drop from 84% or something like that right before. What I'm saying is at that moment, they had a 73% chance to win. The Lions did. Someone arguing for momentum would argue that they had a lower chance to win. And so... That's measurable. I think if we can identify plays that are supposed momentum swingers, then teams should win more than their win probability suggests. I haven't seen that demonstrated anywhere. I think I'm open to it, but until, until it happens, like, I think our default should be that win probability is win probability.
0: Right. And so if the lions come back and score the next drive then your momentum changing plays is is dead. And that happens far more often than I think people would want to admit. Uh by the way, one more question for you real quick on yesterday. When Harbaugh went for it inside his own twenty yard line in the other game, in the AFC game, what was was that was that a smart move? Because that felt insane. And then we forget about it because they get it and they just continue marching on and ultimately they lose the game for other reasons. But um that felt crazy at the time. And I just since since you uh probably were paying close attention to that and might have had the numbers in front of you, I figured I would ask real quick.
1: Yeah, so this is down 10, fourth and three at their own 18, right? Yeah. With 847 left. Yeah. So we supported that move. That was a, um, that was a go for us. Uh, I think that I'm so glad you brought it up though, because, because they convert and they lose. So I haven't heard anybody talking about that play today until you, until you mentioned it. Right, and right. I think it just goes to show this sort of asymmetry of the situation we have right like where they i mean if they had failed and they lost then are we talking about are we talking about that today like is that running on all the shows and that just shows because we are not measuring we are trying to measure the decision not the outcome and so much of what determines about what gets talked about is the outcome and that is a mistake so uh yeah that was a good decision it was probably controversial because they get it everybody just moves on the drive continues i do think about one last thing here which is that when this is the asymmetry i think that causes fourth down blowback which is that if you convert a fourth down the drive just continues and so like the biggest play of the drive has yet to occur because like later they will go score a touchdown or later they will throw an interception and so that's the big play but when you fail the fourth down conversion, then the biggest play of the drive was a failure. And so it seems like the fourth down is is so catastrophic. And that's why we end up talking about fourth downs only when they don't work.
0: Right. And in that particular case, like you go for it, you get it, you still lose. It doesn't guarantee anything, which I think where people get really twisted. Right. Like there are, it's, it's all percentages. And, you know, uh, a 55-45 is a go, a go, is still 55-45 go, but you're going to, be on the wrong end of it 45% of the time. And that's still going to feel like a lot. Um, but that's that's the game. Is that uh, – t- last question for you. Seth Walder from ESPN is our guest. There's been a lot. We don't need to name names unless you want to call anybody out in particular. Go ahead. Um, we, i I kind of in the business of I don't give people starving for attention attention. But there have been, like, you know, thought pieces today on analytics and all this, you know – because people are trying to take their pot shots. What to you is like the biggest miss on the, the narrative today?
1: The biggest miss on the narrative.
0: By the way, while well, Seth thinks of his biggest one. If you want a couple of really good ones, uh, you can head to his Twitter page, at Seth Walter, highly recommend doing that. But what's for the for the radio audience here who might not have Twitter?
1: Here's the mistake I think a lot of people make, which is they say, you know, oh, 0.3%. That's not enough to justify going going for it instead of the default kicking there is no default right first of all like every time you're making a choice kick punt go those are your three options and when num- again I'm saying that either option was acceptable for the Lions but right, right. if we're following the quantitative analysis if something is saying 0.3 percent better it's it's just better you, you would if someone te- gave you a button and said you have a zero point, you can increase your chance to win by zero point three percent. You can hit it or not hit it. Of course, you would hit it. Will it matter? Probably. Probably. That's probably not going to be the difference in the game, but it could be. Or you know, I mean, every. I think that, you know the analogy I used was like if someone offered you a hundred thousand dollar salary or a hundred thousand dollar and three hundred a hundred thousand and three hundred dollar salary, what do you take? Or like my colleague said, like if you're sick and you're offered two treatments. One has a uh, 50% chance to work and one has a 50.3% chance to work. And, and the doctor's saying, and these are the, this is the truth, right? Like these are the two numbers. What are you choosing? So uh, I think there's a lot of, it's okay, like if there, these are, this is a complicated question. It's good to talk about it, um, if, but there are some, some arguments that I think I think fall flat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My favorite one was that uh, data scientists are making more in the NFL than they are on Amazon. That was a fun one. That was a personal favorite. That's just me. Uh, I say that people need to get out more. Uh, Seth Walter, ESPN, uh, appreciate your time as always, sir. Uh, Hopefully we'll, we'll catch up here fairly soon down the
1: road. Craig, if I can just correct you on one thing, I'm just, I'm not the head of our analytics group. I don't want to, I don't want to put that out there. Okay. Brian Burland does our, does our, our fourth down models. And I'm just the face of uh, just the face of the team. But uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of hard folks that I work with.
0: Absolutely. No, Absolutely. I appreciate that a lot. Thanks, man. Thank you. It's the Hoffman show. We're on the team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Wizards game day. Oh, we talked a lot of football, obviously, today. Championship weekend in the books. We are on the Super Bowl 58, which you'll hear right here live on the Team 980. Of course, our show will be headed to Las Vegas and Radio Row next week. Uh, I'll be here Monday. I got a short show while I'm traveling. Uh, Tuesday and then Wednesday through Friday, we are on Radio Row in Las Vegas. I already have some people booked. Uh, incredible lineup pending and a bunch of other stuff in the works and we're excited uh to go out there and be at the epicenter of the football world but as i said it is a wizards game day which means it's time to talk to our guy dave johnson
2: time to get the radio party started by Bilal, by uh, oh boy did he stuff him uh, left wing pool it's there uh, oh that's a pool party uh, you better go off Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now. Foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh, that'll draw your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Go Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. Big, big shot. On the Hoffman Show. Hey, hey,
0: you better go on. Dave joins us from San Antonio. Uh, Dave, had you, have you had quality Mexican food since you arrived? And if not, why not? <laughs>
2: No, you know, because I'm just not that sophisticated. I'm sharing that with you and, and your listening audience. I ate a salmon Caesar salad, which is probably I could get anywhere in the country, but I got it last night. So it's, I've had a very uh, boring excursion uh, food-wise here in, in San Antonio, although I'm, I'm staying in an uh, area that's got quite a history about the, the Pearl Brewing, and it's a hotel they, they turned – used to be the Pearl Brewing Company. They turned in, uh, to a ho- hotel, which, which is quite fascinating and has uh, – uh, quite a story that I could start to tell you where that would take the next 15 minutes. But but the real story here in, in San Antonio, that while I've not had good food, uh, I, you probably saw the viral video over the weekend, or I guess every video is viral, uh, about the Spurs mascot, Coyote, catching the bat. Yes. Did you see yes? Yeah. So I, the, what was amazing and was certainly questioned by the announcers on that video is this bat was flying around the court here. Uh, in San Antonio, if you remember years ago, Manu Ginobili actually caught the bat. A bat I, I do a remember bat. that. Yeah. Right. Well, th- this time Coyote is, is out in a Batman costume uh, with a butterfly or I guess a bat net um, and they're playing bat music, but it's a real bat. And so it really looks like a, a setup or something that, that they would stage or script for during one of the timeouts. But I've seen a lot of trained animals in my life, including, you know, the Atlanta Hawks. And it's a little bit scary Uh, on their home. Whenever we've been there for their home opener, a real hawk comes down from the the top of the arena. And uh, all of a sudden it gets dark and you realize the darkness is from the shadow of being cast by their wings. I mean, hawks are huge. birds, And you're just thinking, my God, I hope it lands on that guy's arm because otherwise we're all going to scramble. Uh, I don't think you can train bats, and and, uh, so I I did ask, and apparently the mascot here in San Antonio, Coyote, is is so clever, so fast. He he saw the bat flying around. He ran down the hall, got into his Batman costume, and came out and caught the bat, and the the bat's okay, by the way. But, um, you know, the way he was able to turn that in, I don't know if there's any into an act, basically, even though it was really catching a bat, because... You know, bat, uh, a bat flying around can make patrons uncomfortable. That's uh, just a, 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 you know, hunch. Uh, so yeah, you know, I would not be psyched if there was a bat, a bat right. flying around. No. Yeah, no. And, no, no, no. and, and bats are, are good for us, and they, they you know, eat bugs and all that other kind of stuff. But it just, it, it does make you kind of nervous. I think it has something to do with a Hitchcock movie or, or whatever. But uh, the point being, if there's some mascot awards for best impromptu act, it, it's got to go to Coyote, the Spurs mascot.
0: Who could possibly argue with that? Yeah. No one. Yeah. No, I Abs- don't
2: think. No, I don't, absolutely
0: no. One. I think we settled it. Yeah, we did, and that's that's our time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have we have more time. Uh, <laughs> Dave Johnson is with us uh, from San Antonio, the home of uh, great Mexican food, which he has not enjoyed, and tales of mascot uh, bat bravery, which he has. Uh, now we know uh, the the highlight tonight, Dave, is the. Uh, two former teammates Bilal Koulibaly and some guy named Victor Wemben Wembenyama, yeah. I think it's yeah. pronounced yeah. yeah um they'll be they'll be going at it uh and obviously seeing Wemby in person is is uh, a sight to see um I still think the best one of the season so far well there's been a couple of great just reaction memes uh guys getting dunked on whatever they're just like what happened to me uh Joel Embiid right. walking by him the other day just being like Wow, okay. And then, of course, yeah. Joel decided yeah. to drop 70 points, so there was that. Um, but you, you got to see him a couple of weeks ago. You see him again tonight. What was your first impression, impression of the rookie phenome?
2: Uh, again, it's just, uh, he, he's just so smart. I, I get the, the other things you actually you see. And obviously, you know, he's got the athleticism, uh, you know, the old joke about you can't teach size and, and that type of thing. But, but having said that, you can't, you know, you can't just – it's not just about being that tall it's how in in some ways you're you're even more challenged to be uh, able to to navigate a, a, an nba basketball game with that that frame uh and he he does it seemingly effortlessly it just uh, smooth is the word that that comes to mind and and you know i, I have to say it, it is cool and it's going to be cool tonight to see they weren't on the court a lot at the same time last week or when whenever we played the spurs at home but uh, but they were it sometimes, and and uh, you know it's the same things we've been saying about Balotelli. He's just he's smart. He plays the game well. It's it's yes, Victor Wembanyama certainly can you know poster the entire league and et cetera. But you appreciate just his understanding of of subtle nuances of a game that is that is more akin to an NBA veteran. So uh, yeah, I mean no wonder everybody you know this time last year was was all the you know. He's going to be number one, number one, number one. Of course, he was number one, um, and 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 just seeing it, it develop. And also, you realize that that he clearly is going to be the face of our league for some time. And and just how he he represents the game and how he respects uh, the game is 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 good for anybody that's a basketball fan. I think.
0: Yeah, without question. Um, He's averaging 20 and 10 on the year. I would actually be curious, Dave, um, I want to circle back. We must talk about Marvin Bagley because we have promised a, a Marvin Bagley conversation. And then, of course, we had the news last week and he had a great game on on uh, the weekend over against his former team and all that. But, you know, I look at Banyama's numbers, and he's averaging 20 and 10. And I'm kind of scrolling through the games tonight. Luca's averaging 34 a game. We've seen the, the 70 pieces from Embiid and then um, whoever else had it the other day. We've had enough 70-point games that it doesn't immediately pop to mind who the other guy was. That is, that is where we are with scoring in the NBA right now. As a guy who's covered the, this league and called games as long as you have, like... What What is, like, what's your kind of take, if you will, on where we're at with the pace of the game and the ease of which, uh, especially individual players are accumulating these massive amounts of points?
2: Well, and, you know, it, it has to do, in, in my opinion, it just it just with a three-point shot is, it just is is more and more, even since I, you know, I've been doing it 28 years and I've just watched, you know, that become a more a part of the game. And, and even, you know, when I started, it was part of the game, but not like it is now and not like. Uh, you know, everyone shoots threes that that you know, I think about uh, you know, when when I started on this this journey in the mid 90s, that wasn't a case, so I, I think that you know speaks to a lot of you know, first of all, why Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point game I know it was a different time and era is still you know so impressive because I mean, there was no three pointers for Wilt, not that he was going to take any three pointers if that was available, but um uh, you know we talk about it now that that you know when you when you keep a team to 115 or 120 that's 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 considered a great defensive performance where you know once upon a time and not that long ago uh, we, we talked about teams that were you know the great defensive teams were holding you know teams around 100 points a game so it's just um, you know, the it, it's it's happened. It's it's the way the game has evolved. I hate to keep using the word evolved over over time, but it, it's everything from, you know, you go back to the '70s and the hand check and etc. It's it's everything has trended uh, to make the game more offensive, and that's probably true of a lot of sports. Uh, but then certainly the 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 the, the ability and uh, relative. I was going to say ease, but at least ability and the number of threes that are now a part of the game. I think that that speaks to why we keep seeing these, you know, seventy-point totals.
0: No doubt, and of course, Luca. I literally just said his name. Luca was the other guy who had seventy at the seventy-three uh, against the Hawks the other night. Uh, all right, Dave, wrapping up uh, here ahead of Wizards and Spurs tonight. Um, let's talk about Bagley. Just what, like, what has he been able to do here that has kind of unlocked him in a way that a former number two pick had seemed to have been battling to find his way in the league and just the freedom that he's playing with. Like what, what has stuck out to you about, uh, not only his individual performance, but what he's meant for the wizard since he's been here.
2: Well, you know, he, he showed as, as a starter with us before Daniel Gaffer returned, He can be a, a 20 and 10 guy. Again, it was a small sample size, but, but also you respect, you know, he, he can, he has been coming off the bench and being a, you know, 14, seven guy, 14 points, seven rebounds. Again, I I can't speak to why it never clicked in other places because he's, he's, first of all, a smart player. He, he plays the game the right way. Um, uh, He, he, you don't have to call a play for him. He's going to make things happen. And, And he, he is, uh, just relentless. Uh, we, we we've noticed this in the, the few weeks that he's been with us. That a play is never over till he says it's over. In other words, until he's given his last bit of effort to keep that rebound alive. And that's how you you know you get you know look the Wizards are coming off a season high sixteen offensive rebounds on, on Saturday. The 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 reason the Wizards record is what it is that that is and you can look it up. And I don't even know how many times they have out rebounded opponents this year and they did on Saturday. But I think it's only like four or five now. Uh, and the Wizards would have more victories, plain and simple, uh, if if they, had, you know, had the players. Quite frankly, and Marvin Bagley is one of those players to be a, a, a better rebounding team. As much as we talk about, uh, you know, it, it, three-point shooting and things like that, it, 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 you know, the ability to compete on the boards it, it means in so many ways. it either means you're getting a defensive stop, or you know, second chance points on the on the offensive end. So. Um, and, and he's coming to Washington, and this again is, is people. I think it's important to know that, that you know we signed up for this. When I say we, I mean I think a lot of fans were saying, all right, let's let's build it over. But then when you you know lost whatever thirty some games, it, it does get frustrating. But but you get excited when uh, you get a player like Marvin Badley who says, all right, this is my chance. This is my audition. This is my opportunity. Uh, I, I want to be. Uh, somebody in the NBA. I don't want to just be uh, the number two overall pick that, that never really reaches full potential. And you, in a team game, you can't force yourself uh, to reach full potential. But here he certainly has that opportunity, and that's that's exciting. As, if, from a, from a, if you're a Wizards fan and you're over the next year and a half, you're looking at, all right, who's really going to stick with this team going forward? And he has a great chance to do that.
0: Yeah, without question. Um, I've been so impressed with him, and it's also just been nice. You know, we talk about what he did as a starter when when Gaff was out, but – I think for the team, having the two of them and having two real bigs has been a huge, huge thing. First for Wes, obviously for Brian Keefe, uh, who we will certainly talk about more this week, his early impact on this club. Uh, so we will do that uh, ahead of Wednesday's game against the Clippers. And Dave, I'm hoping to see you on Wednesday. So that'll be fun. Uh, enjoy the rest of San Antonio. Enjoy the game tonight. And we'll see you back at Capital One Arena uh, yeah, no, in a couple no, of days. I'm looking
2: for- yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Capital One Arena. Just, you know, just... Uh, well, we'll probably get you to come on a little bit just so you can, you know, we get you ready for Las Vegas because you're going to knock it in Las Vegas. I can't wait till you're at Las Vegas next week and I can listen to the show out there. So uh, we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. That sounds... always, appreciate the time, and and I'll keep looking for stories like the uh, successful trapping of bats, but also humanely
0: done. Story time with Dave is is really what we do this for. So that sounds great. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. All right, that is Dave Johnson with us here on the Team 980, live from San Antonio. Uh, That is an 8 o'clock tip tonight, so you get a little bit of BetMGM tonight coming up at 7, and then you get pregame at 7.45. When we get back here on the Hoffman Show, we wrap things up for the day with Real Things Real People Said into Real Microphones. Wrapping up here on the Hoffman Show, Team 980 always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And do not forget, 106.7, the fan versus the Team 980 live is this Friday night at Bethesda Theater, your favorite radio shows together for one night off air, on stage, and uncensored. Plus, uh special guest just announced today, Commander's Defensive Tackle John Allen. Yes, that is right, Jonathan Allen, will be with us on stage in Bethesda. Tickets are on sale now at BethesdaTheater.com, And especially, I mean, they started going quicker over the weekend, but especially since our announcement of John Allen this morning, tickets are going fast. So you definitely would like to get them immediately. Uh, BethesdaTheater.com is the location for that. And this is all thanks to our good friends at Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local, put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com. For more information. All right, uh, Anthony, what do we have on the show tomorrow?
2: It's a great question, Craig.
0: Well, it's Tuesday, which means we should have Linnell. We the- should. Now, that's been a little bit sketchy as of late. But we should have Linnell. I do believe that that is, that is in the works. Um, vibe check, as we will have also interviews with... Uh, for multiple head coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. So there's always a chance of news. Um I do think that there's a very small chance that there's anything that comes to agreement. But I guess if like if they've interviewed everyone today and tomorrow and like if Ben Johnson's the last guy they interview tomorrow and they're like, "You know what? We're good. Like this is our guy." I guess tomorrow we're kind of on coach watch. A lot of people seem to think it's going to be Thursday, but
2: yeah, I mean, also tomorrow's just a weird day because apparently they're supposed to be meeting Johnson in Detroit, but also Dan Quinn is supposed to be
0: getting his in-person interview and Well, that's sees. that's what I'm saying. Is like, are we on coach watch tomorrow I think during this hour of the show, right? So they let's say they meet with Dan Quinn for three hours in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. Quinn gets to the facility at eight AM, eleven o'clock, they're done. They get on Josh Harris's private jet. It's Harris, it's Peters, it's everybody. I think the, the problem, though, is aren't they also interviewing Aaron Glenn?
2: Tomorrow? I don't know. I, I know I, feel I saw like they Johnson are. and I saw Quinn for tomorrow. I mean, they
0: have to interview Glenn. Yeah. Um, as well. One, because they've told him they could. And two, like, hey, like, just be blunt. this blunt about this. But, like, they need to interview Glenn to satisfy the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. They will take that interview seriously, to be very clear. Aaron Glenn is a legitimate candidate who should be getting coaching interviews. But without it, they are not in compliance. So they have to interview Aaron Glenn. Um, and I am. It sounds like. But are not they also interviewing McDonald? Or did that happen today? I, I don't know. To, yeah, I don't it, it, it's know. Too many moving parts. Too many guys. moving parts. I do think Johnson's tomorrow night. So maybe they get to Detroit around one o'clock. They interview Glenn from one to four. Take a break. Johnson, you know, five to whatever. And if they, you know, they get into the first hour with Johnson. And they're like, this is the guy. And then it's like, do you want a five-year contract for X amount? Yeah. Somebody call Adam Schefter. Mm-hmm. Maybe as we're going off the air tomorrow. God, that would mean we'd have to stay. Do you have anything tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Tuesday. January 30th. No. Okay. I hope that's not what we have to deal with. But just saying, there's a it could chance. It will be interesting. There's a chance. Um news loves to break right as our show ends. Yes. Beal trade, Shepard fired. All kinds of stuff. All right. Uh so we're on Coach Watch starting tomorrow. Uh right now we're on a watch for real things. The real people said into real microphones.
2: Real things. We're not going to be suck this year. Real people. 5 and 11. Not very good. Set into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good.
0: Oh, those numbers you flashed, Anthony. That is not a lot of time. Uh, let's go with this. Uh, Brandon Iyuk, uh Big catch yesterday off that poor, poor Lions defender's helmet. But he knew... That he was going to get lucky. Tell us all about that catch. Before the game, a ladybug landed on my shoe. Come on. Hey, y'all know what that means. So that's all I can say. Because other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Just great luck. God was with us today. Great win. Bang, bang, Niner gang. It's crazy. Bang, bang, Niner gang. It was a ladybug, Anthony. Lady luck was on the side of the Niners. Damn it! Which catch was more impressive? Ayuk's or Lamar's? That's pretty close. They're both is sick. Clo- <laughs> like Lamar's awareness and his ability to just scoop it and go was pretty sick. Yeah. Ayuk, the concentration is incredible. They're both lucky too. I don't know. It's a great question. It's a great question. All right, I'll ponder it and perhaps uh, give you a straight answer tomorrow. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team Nine Eighty.